This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast, episode 123. Well, folks, I'm uh, flying solo today here on the podcast and also would like your feedback on a little bit of a new format here that we're doing. We're going to try to do more episodes, make them a little bit shorter, a little more digestible. Just wondering what you feel about this. Again, go to uh, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com to let us know what you think about this new format. Well, on with the show. First off, Let's, uh, we have a couple of announcements. Number one, the Scholarships Guide for 2017. The Scholarships Guide is uh, on its way to the publisher. We're going to put it on Amazon. And there's a couple things I want to talk about, about the Scholarships Guide. You know, it's become the largest online directory of scholarships that actually have been verified and are continually edited throughout the year. What we do is we have a directory online. As you know, as a member, you have access to that directory, that online directory. We also have the Scholarships Guide available in Amazon and the iBookstore and iTunes. And one of the things that we've been looking at doing, and I think this is the way we're going to go, is uh, shift more towards having people purchase it as an ebook in Amazon and in the iBook format. Uh, the reason being is that we our Scholarships Guide has finally grown to a point where we have most of the scholarships out there. As we move towards the future and we add more scholarships incrementally, this, the guide will not grow quite as much. This year, we do have a huge number of scholarships that are being added. But in the future, we're looking at, you know, as far as percentage-wise, the growth of the scholarships guide won't be quite as much over the years. So what we're going to do is this, is we're going to continue for this year in the membership. You get the access to the online directory. The online directory, remember, is the most accurate and the the most complete and the most recent of all the scholarships. Now, with that said, because of the fact that we've been doing this for so many years now, people have been coming to us and asking us to put their scholarships in our guide. Now, the way that you use a scholarships guide is this. A lot of people, they have these scholarships and monies to, to give out and grants, etc. And what they do is in their website, they take those, that scholarship information down when there's no application window open. What we want to do is make sure that you know about those scholarships throughout the year so you can plan to be ready to apply for them. We put all the, even if it's not on their website, we put the information that was up there for the previous year and the requirements. So you can start preparing for the new window to open. So look for that in the future. Nothing's changed this year, but looking towards 2018, it's uh, it's probably going to change in that we're going to push more towards the ebook. We're doing that a little bit now, saying, "Hey, listen, go to Amazon, uh, go to iBooks." We also one of the things we do throughout the year, and we'll announce this, is when we update the Amazon book and also the iBook for, say, 2017, since this is 2017, we will tell you about it, and you can download that. Uh, so just remember about that, that you can go out there, and you can get that scholarships guide, and you can purchase it in Amazon. You can also purchase it uh, as a part of your membership, but we're really trying to push you towards that. 
Anyway, uh, also one more thing, coaching. Uh, of course, we still have the, the coaching services. If you're looking to change careers, we do a lot of uh, career counseling. If you're looking to get ready for an interview, and it's one of the airlines we, we do the interview prep for, we'll let you know. Uh, you can go on the coaching website, the portion of the website. It's uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash coaching. Uh, it's become a very busy part of our business. Uh, I've apologized if you can't get into our schedule. Make sure you do check our schedule first before you sign up for coaching. If you have an immediate need, uh, you can send us a message at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com uh, because our schedule is kind of filling up there. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Uh, one of the things that we're going to do today, like I said, we're going to try to make these uh, episodes a little bit shorter uh, and try to get more out. If you remember, at one time we were doing them once a week, and we've been getting a lot of feedback from you. So we're going to try to start doing more of these. Uh, try to do once a week if we can, and uh, we'll get to give it a shot. Hopefully, it'll work, and uh, and we'll we'll just we're going to try. So here we go. Let's start with our first question. Uh, it comes in, it says, "Hi, Carl and team. I listen to your podcast every day." on my drive to work and school. I enjoy every second of it, and it truly is an inspiration. The podcast is life-changing for me because I can hear you every day say, do something today to move forward in your career. I've put this into practice in my life. It has been helping helping me stay motivated. I am 24 years old and want to become a knowledgeable and professional pilot. I'd like to support your podcast financially, but at this time, I can't donate much. In the future, though, I'd be glad to. I'd like to support in any other ways, though. Keep up the excellent work, and it's making a difference in the people's lives. Thank you. Well, hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Actually, we, we don't take donations. What we do is we have membership, and in that membership, you have access to some of the courses that we have, and also you have access to the scholarships guide. What we do is we accept... Uh, a sponsorship for the episodes. Each episode currently, and this is January of 2017, is $200 per episode for sponsorship. It's usually for those clients that are on a more national basis, but if you want to help with the podcast and you want to sponsor it, we can talk more about that. If you're advertising a a product or if you just want to do a sponsorship, we can talk a little bit more there, uh, sponsoring an individual, et cetera, or have a shout out. We, uh, We actually, what we do with the monies is we put that towards growing the scholarships guide and also growing more avenues for people so that they can actually get a hold of cash and get a hold of money so they can start their certificates and go through all their training and not just for their flight training but also for college remember this the aerospace scholarships guide which is what we spend most of our time and money on is is encompassing all different degrees and also now is encompassing organizations. For instance, there's airlines such as JetBlue, Honeywell that have scholarships that uh, will actually help promote education amongst their employees. We're starting to put those things into the guide. So more corporate there, trying to branch out a little more into other countries. As you know, we are more North American based. We have scholarships. We have a few Canadian. We have primarily U.S. because we're in the U.S. We're really trying hard to expand those. Uh, to other countries. So again, if you're looking to sponsor, go to the sponsors page. Uh, it's uh, currently $200 per episode with, uh, and that's about $50 per thousand downloads is what that comes out to. Uh, it's actually uh, a little better than that as far as a number of downloads we have so far. And we do appreciate you listeners, but thanks so much for the, for, uh, helping support the podcast and, uh, and moving forward. Uh, 
On to our next question. It says, uh, hello, Aviation Careers crew. First of all, your podcast is awesome. I love that you guys share your passion with all of us day in and day out. Please keep it up. You're providing a great service. Second, I've been listening for a while now. I recently heard your episode about VA coverage on flight training. Thanks for clearing up the new rules. It was something that was very unsure about before. That said, I'm a 28-year-old Marine Corps veteran, A&P mechanic by trade, and a student at Embry-Riddle Worldwide. Embry-Riddle Worldwide, by the way, if you don't know, it's, that's their online campus. It's a huge amount of students that are involved with this. He continues, I will be finishing my degree in May. I will have approximately 11 months left on my GI Bill upon graduating from Embry-Riddle Worldwide. There's a local college here that offers an associate's degree program whereby you earn your ratings up to the CFI. However, they do not own their aircraft. Therefore, I have to pay out of pocket for my private pilot. Obviously, a huge barrier. Okay, let me explain to the people that are, are wondering what we're talking about. The VA has changed uh, their benefits as far as being able to uh, get reimbursed for your private pilot certificate and using your benefits for that. The school that you go to actually has to own the, uh, the airplanes. A lot of schools out there, uh, they have contractors that do their flight training, especially a lot of the state schools, say in Florida, uh, where they have to have the contractor owning the airplanes. Uh, there's certain things as far as state, uh, state rules and regulations, uh, why that's the case. So what's happened is it's excluded all those people from getting their private. The other ratings, like instrument, et cetera, they can get. But uh, he continues, and this is really an important point. So remember, if you're looking to use your VA benefits, you can't use it for the private pilot unless the school you go to actually owns the airplanes. A good example is a private school like Embry-Riddle in Florida. He continues, the school he's at, they have a scholarship program there. Uh, but with his current class load, he, he would uh, not be able to start his private pilot training until he's done at Every Riddle Online. Uh, he's also a full-time student taking 24 credits per semester, uh, meaning he's not currently employed, so money's a bit tight. I'd like to learn more about Polk's program. That's Polk State College, where actually I help coach the flight team there. I'm willing to relocate temporarily in order to get my CFI. I'm not necessarily interested in pursuing another degree, but will if that is necessary. I would be able to dedicate myself full-time in order to get as many ratings as possible with my remaining GI Bill. Also, I have a few other long-term career questions. I'm thinking about signing up for coaching. Thank you for your time. Keep up the great work and stay safe. Well, thanks for that question. And full disclosure, uh, this is one of our coaching uh, clients became one uh, after uh, this email came in. And by the way, if you are looking for coaching, again, that's aviationcareerspodcast.com slash coaching. One of the things that's interesting about this is the fact that he's got just a, a huge uh, workload here. Uh, and, and one of the things that's underlying in this message is the fact that airlines want to see you have a four-year degree as far as the legacies and the majors. Uh, but as far as the regionals are concerned, they would like to see an associate's. But if you, if you don't have your associate's, you're working towards it, of course, you can move towards that as a career and be able to get hired. But you need to finish up your, your degree while you're at the regional before you go to the major in general, 95% of the time, uh, that is true. You can still get into the majors without a degree, 
but boy, you better know the chief pilot or be a cousin or, or a son, daughter, etc., to be able to have that happen in your life. And most of us don't have that in our lives. Uh, so one of the things that's really interesting is because of this happening, of the VA benefits changing and the rules for the VA benefits, there are more and more scholarships coming available. I mentioned this in the last episode where uh, people are trying to play scholarships for the private pilot for ex-military. And uh, we're kind of, we're working on that now. It's a kind of a slow process, uh, but we're moving forward on that. So I uh, appreciate the message there. Uh, moving on to the next question. It says, uh, I am an interest instrument rated commercial multi-engine pilot. I own a Piper Aztec and I bought to build time and now have 466 total time with 45 hours of multi-time. I currently work for a large corporation in their flight department. However, I do not have enough time to transition to one of their pilot positions. Uh, they require an ATP and about 2,000 hours of turbine time. Uh, the pay is good, so I'd like to stay, but I need to build my time. I work Monday through Friday, day shift schedule, with over an hour commute to and from work. This makes it very difficult to fly during the week. What would you suggest? Well, I'll tell you what. It's uh, That is a common theme. I mean, we all have jobs. We have to pay for our flight training. We have to pay to put a, a roof over our heads, and we need to build time. I will say this. It, it sounds like, it, it seems at first, this is an impossible situation in, in your own mind, but I've seen people do this. They've actually been able to work on the weekends and build time at a, a fairly quick Great. And the reason they've been able to do that is students start realizing that, yeah, you're you're somebody that has to, you know, has to be able to to get into their schedule and you, you have to be there on time for me because I'm only here these couple of days a week. Possibly another option, and I've, I did this myself, is because I was working full time. I would take one day during the week and then two days on the weekend when I was working really hard. And then I transitioned to more days during the week. Unfortunately, I had to uh, kind of switch off the full time job to build the hours. You have a lot of hours built up, but as you can tell, being like a flight instructor and flying or, or doing cargo, whatever it is you're looking for, it's, it's easier to do when you're doing it full time, but it's not impossible to do part time. And that's what I'm trying to say. I know this sounds tough, but you can actually, I would suggest you going for it and trying to find something on the weekends. Remember what I say is always try to do something now and to move forward in your career. Start today and go out and start networking and asking the people where you are, what uh, is available. What's available in your area as far as uh, being able to fly on the weekends and how many hours you can get, uh, maybe doing some cargo, that type of thing. So so do that. Please go out there and start asking people. Ask uh, you know, what job opportunities are available. Network, network, network. So that's really, really important to do that. Um, any other questions, of course, uh, emails. And I'd love to hear back from you. By the way, anybody, let me know how things have turned out. Send it to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Next one comes up, says, Hi, Carl and team. I have a few questions that all relate to training and jobs once you've been hired by an airline. This is really cool. I love these, these questions you've come up with here. Number one, once you are an airline pilot, what kind of job opportunities are available within the organization? I know, for instance, pilots can become check airmen or join the training department. Are there any other jobs that pilots take with the organization that relate directly to flying? Well, that's a great question. We'll, we'll take these one at a time. You know, yeah, there's lots of different opportunities. There's uh, Just remember, it's, it's not just becoming a check airman in the training department. 
There's also people that are involved directly with the flying with data and with observations. Uh, they have line-oriented safety checks that they do. They, they actually go out and they do observations. Pilots get in the jump seat and they do observations of flights. And during those observations, they try to determine if there's anything that they can do from a safety standpoint that would help in the operation. Or is there anything that they notice from a safety standpoint that would actually help with this operation or make the operation better, uh, not just safer, but even more efficient. So those are safety auditors that actually fly. Uh, there's also, obviously, like you said, check airman training department. There's simulator instructors. There's people that actually do audits. There's, there's lots of different opportunities. There's also, obviously, some more uh, management type of roles. If you're someone who likes to work with people, you can move towards that role of becoming, say, a chief pilot, assistant chief pilot. There's other roles within an organization, but, uh, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of airlines with unions, and that's another portion you get involved with. Those aren't normally paying jobs or usually volunteer jobs, but some union jobs are paid. Uh, the way that that works, just to explain that, is normally if you're in a, a much higher position in a union or, say, like me, I was a person who was in charge of the furloughed pilots, uh, during periods of high demand, they would actually take the person that's in charge of a specific role within the union, take them offline, off flying, and have them actually work full time in the union and give them their flight pay. Uh, it's called trip loss, and they'll they'll actually allow you to work in the union full time. The union representatives, such as the chairman of the union, is on trip loss full time. In other words, they work full time in the union office. So there's those type of, of opportunities. They're similar to management jobs, but they're, they're, you're managing the pilot group and the union side of things. So uh, there's many other different uh, opportunities uh, for other jobs that directly involve flying. Of course, uh, one of them is in the human resources where you're actually interviewing pilots, that type of thing. So something to look at. You know, there's, there's, there's some really, really neat opportunities out there in aviation. There's the safety department. Uh, there's, like I told you about line-oriented uh, safety audits. You know, there's, there's all these really cool opportunities that you can apply for. Most airlines have internal uh, application windows where you can find those jobs. So you don't have to just be a line pilot, although being a line pilot is a wonderful job. Believe me, I, I absolutely love it. And, and trust me, you never know how you're going to like a job until you get into it. You know, if anybody remembers me, some people that listen remember me from years ago, I never thought I would like being an airline pilot as much as I do. I love it. And uh, you don't know until you try it. You know, you envision it and you try to hear stories from us. But gosh, you know, it, it's just a wonderful thing. You may wind up just like a person that I know at the airline I work at. They love working in the safety department. So you may find out, uh, you know, what, what, you know, there might be something in your, your background, in your future that's going to really turn you on and, and make you excited about flying. Anyway, he continues. Again, these are great questions. Number two in his questions is, what type of specialized trainings, training do pilots undertake? This could be in a classroom, simulator environment, or simply a manual that pilot is expected to study. For example, I know there are specialized training for a pilot who fly into a certain airport or over water. Can you elaborate on that or other specialized training that pilots may undergo that the entire pilot group may not necessarily undergo as well. 
Also, what resources does the airline provide their pilot group in terms of preparing them for flying into new airports, you know, outside the standard charts or new countries? I hope that makes sense. It makes perfect sense to me. So what you're asking is specialized training. So there's the regular training, okay? Uh, so there's the, the simulator training, the manuals, the online training, computer-based training for the regular line pilot. Now, say you're going to go fly internationally or you're going to go fly, uh, like you said, over water. That's a great example. There's a specialized course for the overwater flying. And, and let's, let's, let's drill into that. Let's get a little more granularity there. For example, if you're going to fly over water, normally you would go through a course material, say a computer-based training, which is all online. You take quizzes, and then you'll say have a classroom training event where in the classroom you'll discuss flying over water, flying overseas, and, and actually how to make the calls, what to do in emergency situations, uh, whether you're equipped with satellite radio or not, how to work the HF radio, doing some examples, and, and trying to actually learn how to work in that environment without getting into the simulator. Number two uh, portion of that, you'll actually a lot of times go in the simulator and you'll do a, a mock flight over water. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll have that flight shortened in certain segments uh, just so that you can actually learn how to do those calls and, and make those position reports. The other part of that is when you arrive at the other end, at your destination, a lot of times you're arriving in an area that may be a specialized airport. Uh, so let's address that. You're flying overseas, you get to a special airport, say it's in the mountains, or you're flying near volcanoes. So you have to learn about what to do in case you, say, lose an engine, or say you lose pressurization. Those are two big items. So you have to learn what to do in those areas and how to read the charts as far as how far you can drift down on one engine without hitting a mountain, what direction you need to go in, and how to produce a plan of action so that you can move on to your alternate airport. Uh, so there's, and that's just a quick overview of the different specialized training you would go through when you're looking at and flying into these different destinations and over water. So in, in your case, like we discussed, there is a specialized training program at all the different airlines as to how to make position reports, how to fly over water, what special equipment you need, how to, to coast out or how to enter airspace, how to make your position reports on HF, uh, how to use your what's called CPDLC, uh, controller pilot data link communications device, how to use your satellite communications, uh, what to do if your satellite communication fails, what to do if your communications in general fails, and you only have a VHF radio, you're out of VHF. HF range. How does that work? How do you relay uh, your positions to other people? Lots of really specialized training. You know, that would actually be a kind of a fun episode to do uh, is just talk about how that training goes on. So you've got me kind of stirred up on that one. I'd love to hear your feedback if you think that might be an idea uh, talking about that. Maybe go through A, B, C, and D. Um, so those are the type of courses you would take. There are specific route training also to specific airports that you need to have training on. Uh, the one comes to mind, say, like Quito, uh, Ecuador. Uh, uh, different route training needs to happen because of the fact that it's, uh, it's a high-risk environment with a lot of mountains in the area, and they want to see that you've actually flown in there in the simulator. And a lot of times, as a captain, you're going to do what's called a line check on the way down there. So you're going to have to fly with a check airman on that route and get checked out. Usually what happens, say you fly into one of those airports, is or you have it on your schedule. Uh, a lot of times I'll pull you off your schedule and have you go down to training. 
Uh, other airlines will just train you uh, off the bat in that area if you're considered an international pilot and you'll have that training ready to go, finish the line check, and now you can go to, to a list of different airports that require different line checks. Uh, so that's how that works. It's all different at different airlines, and they have uh, this again. The training programs at these airlines is all approved by the FAA, so they have to prove that this works, and that's that's how they go forward with that. So I hope it's answered that question. Uh, number three, uh, he asked, "Do airlines provide their pilots professional development?" Uh, Yes, they do. There's many different courses you can take. Again, a lot of them are online. There's online courses where you actually have available through your company where you can take courses on, you know, different, you know, GPS, weather, uh, just like, you know, there's available for free actually online uh, through a lot of these other organizations like AOPA even. They have some really cool courses and, and some of these courses are, are almost as good as some of the airline courses or, or, or as relevant, I should say. The airline courses may be a little different because they're more relevant for that operating environment, but, you know, they teach you how to use a GPS, how to do descend vias, climb vias, that type of thing. Professional development as far as you personally, uh, as far as your career and progressing, yeah, there's courses that they have as far as the public speaking is one example. Moving forward and getting your MBA in operations, your your MBA in in aerospace, or or whatever degrees that you're interested in, they do have those. You have to apply for those professional development courses, and then every so often, uh, you'll see just about every airline I've worked for, you'll see an email come out and say, "Hey, listen, there's this course that's being offered, and you know if you want to get in on the course." Give us a call or send us an email, and there's like say 30 seats open. Go ahead, jump on that email and go go to that class. Uh, some really cool stuff out there. So really, that that's something that I I think is really important as far as as professional development. I think it's really important that we look at moving forward, no matter what you're doing in your life in general, all the time. And I think uh, what the airlines do is is a really good thing as far as professional development and moving forward in their career. Uh, let's see, one more. This is going to be a short segment. Like I said, I want to hear your feedback on, on what you think of the shorter segments coming out more often. I think it's going to be more helpful, but uh, again, send feedback at aviationcarespodcast.com. Oh, and then he continues uh, with his email. Thank you for taking the time to answer my question. The podcast is great. Well, thank you for listening and thank everybody for listening to the podcast here. Uh, let's see, we have... One more. Let's see. I can do one more here, and then we'll close out. Says uh, writes in. Says just wanted to write and let you know how much I enjoy the podcast. It makes my hour drive from New York City to New Jersey and back each day fly by. Pun intended. <laughs> I'm writing to share my present journey as a way to seek guidance and hopefully to inspire. I started my aviation journey a long time ago. After years of yearning to fly a plane, I finally got to start flying lessons at 14. I could fly a plane myself before I could drive. After soloing and halfway into my private certificate, my instructor asked what I wanted to do after I completed my certificate. My reply was to become a commercial pilot, of course. I wore contacts at the time, and although 2020 corrected, it was before the ADA, America's with Disabilities Act, and outside the acceptable correction range. My dreams were shattered, and I stopped my lessons. Uh, just a quick update there. Some of you that are, are younger getting started, remember there was a time like when I started that you couldn't fly unless you had 20-20 uncorrected vision. And certain airlines, 
uh, I, you know, I won't mention the one that in particular, but they were the last holdout and they're a very large airline. You had to have 2020 once you entered, similar to the military. That's all changed. You can wear glasses. You have to be 2020 corrected. Uh, anyway, is going back a few years. Uh, he continues, it must have been fate for me to come back to aviation because in the mid-90s, I became a flight attendant for a legacy carrier. At the time, I had totally given up on my dream. I enjoy my job and had the opportunity to travel all over the world. I don't regret a minute of it. Then late last year, while contemplating what I should do with my time off, I looked at a part-time job as a flight simulator technician. Suddenly, I realized that my desire to pilot an aircraft had never died. That job had made me realize that I had the opportunity to fulfill my dream. I talked it over with my wife. We decided I should take a few months and complete my private pilot certificate. I researched my options and decided I would go to South Africa to complete my private and do the conversion once I got back to the U.S. The price for the school is about half the price it is here in the U.S., and the quality is top-notch. Uh, he said they're the second largest instructors in aviation outside the U.S., as he was told. Uh, I love my instructor and training there. I was truly top-notch, and I'd still recommend it to anyone who has the time to complete a certificate in its entirety. The problem was a narrow, short 4900 runway built directly on a crosswind. Very challenging, it sounds like. Long story short, even though it was half the cost of training in the U.S. at my location, it was costing me more to be there not being able to fly. After three months and not receiving the desired amount of flying I was hoping for, I went back to the U.S. and completed my private pilot certificate at twice the price. Um, that was a challenge, and, and there's a whole different story. I'd love to hear that one. I recently started with all ATPs flight school to get my multi-instrument commercial single, commercial multi, CFI, MEI ratings, all while being married and having a four-year-old with a mortgage. Wow, that's a challenge. I'm in my early 40s and easily the oldest in my school. Did I mention that I'm still a full-time flight attendant? Wow, that's a, that's a lot of work. Uh, here's where I could use some direction and advice. Once I'm done with school, my initial goal is to instruct during the week and be a flight attendant on the weekend, or opposite, until I have the hours to apply with a legacy I currently work for. I'm not willing to give up my job as a flight attendant because at this point, for anything other than a legacy pilot job because I have over two decades of seniority at the flexibility I need to drop and pick up trips and also have a, a mortgage and help provide for the child, it's not willing to leave that job. I'm hoping that... I'll be able to interview and get a job as a pilot with my legacy with minimum hours. What are some things that can recommend to help me make that happen? Thanks from the other side of the door. Uh, actually, this is really cool, by the way. I have uh, a couple of other flight attendants who've done the same thing, have moved from the other side of the door into the cockpit. It is a challenge. One of the things I would love, and I don't want, uh, if he could write back and tell us, kind of give us an idea, the salaries you're looking at as a flight attendant at your airline, because we do have some flight attendants that listen to this uh, on a, as a career basis. And although we've kind of gotten away from that because the hiring has been so crazy now with, with pilots, um, it is an important job. It's something that I think is a great job as a flight attendant. 
content that people should really consider. I'd love to hear you know the different pay scales because I think people don't realize that as a flight attendant, after especially 10 years, you start making really good money. After 20 years, two decades, you're making great money, and it's really tough to leave that job. I think people would be shocked. Um, also, uh, what we need is if you could write in and tell us you know basically what what kind of pay scales you have and say for your language speakers etc we won't mention the airline of course but i think it would be really cool for people to hear that um as far as uh, suggestions for what what you need to do, a couple things. Number one, remember that you're at, you're looking at a legacy job, not a regional job. The legacy jobs are are looking for people that have some turbine time. It's uh, they're looking for people with turbojet time, preferably. If it's a competitive airline, uh, you're going to need to build up some hours, you know, into the three four thousand range. Uh, that also, with that said, uh, you're looking at multi engine time at the legacies that you need to build. Unlike like the, the regionals, where a lot of regionals will take you with a lot less multi-time, or very little, I should say, multi-time, you, you will need more when you apply to the majors just to make yourself stand out from the rest of the crowd. And I know the one that I think you're talking about uh, definitely is a little more competitive than most, so you need to look at building up that time. To do that, you need to, number one, like you said, uh, work as a flight attendant, I think during the week is a great idea because on the weekends is when most people fly if you're going to become a flight instructor. Also look at things like you know doing aerial surveys, banner towing, and, and different scenic tours depending on where you're located. If you're in a big city, which you are, it might be an idea to do that. So there's all these different opportunities out there, and I want, to look, I want you to look towards those. I want you to think about that and think about what you can do to actually build those hours. But I think that uh, as, a, as an, uh, you know, a, a good goal right now is build as much time as you can and possibly get yourself into a part-time even working as a, a third pilot and a two-pilot crew with a corporation but the other thing that i really would suggest of course you've heard it here many times is network 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 in in your airport and uh, and look in your area as to what you can do and different jobs you can take whether it's banner towing etc to get to that point uh, bypassing the regional is going to be a little bit more difficult. Uh, you may have to wind up doing that, but to do that, uh, of course, leaving a, a really good paying job is going to be a challenge for you. Be neat if you could look into a leave of absence. Certain airlines will do that, uh, but usually that's only during a downturn. And as you know, a lot of people, whether it's a flight attendant, mechanic, pilot, uh, they're hiring quite a few people nowadays. Uh, so I hope that helped. If you have any more questions, of course, go to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Again, I would love this person to write in and, and just tell us a little bit about uh, career progression and the, the airline he's working for and is really, really neat stuff. I think uh, that uh, people just, they discount becoming a flight attendant. I would highly recommend it. I was just talking to, this, to some people the other day as a retirement job, as a second job, as a first job, whatever. It's a great job. It's a lot of fun. You get to fly all over the world. Well, folks, that's it for this episode. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed the short segment episode. We're going to try to come out with more like we did before. Uh, one more thing before we go, as far as announcements, we need to, to make you realize that, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff out there, that a lot of money out there for people. Our scholarships guide is growing like crazy. 2017 guide is coming out here shortly in Amazon and also in iTunes and the iBook store, I should say. Uh, but make sure you, you look at it online and click on it. You'll see an announcement for the 2017 guide to be out there. Another thing I'd like to do is go back to some of our picks of the week. 
Picks of the Week, again, is our, our Aviation Careers Podcast Facebook page. Make sure you like us on Facebook. I, I'm trying to put more and more articles about aviation careers and, and, and trying to get some more social proof as to what's happening in aviation careers and trying to get uh, as many inspirational articles on that Facebook page. I think it's a, a great avenue for people to actually enjoy uh, listening to other stories that, and also for people to learn something. And there's a lot of really good stuff out there. As a matter of fact, I think I put a, yeah, I did. I put an article about from Flying Magazine about the shortage of uh, pilots in the military. Go read that one. Also, of course, all the podcast episodes are there. You can sign up for our newsletter, or you can obviously go to our Facebook page and get our updates. Well, folks, that's it for this episode. You know, as, as I like to end every episode, I want to challenge you to do something. Today, do something now. If you're in the car, maybe stop the car, make a phone call. Move forward in your career, whether it's reading another chapter in your book, whether it's asking people questions and networking at your airport as far as what type of jobs are out there, or whether it's researching a scholarship that will help pay for your rating. Do something. Do something today to move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.